Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your boy, the number one fuckboy, Jonathan James Gamer, standing six foot two, 303 pounds. That's right, he's gone up. It's been a party month, and I don't think it's ending anytime soon. From the south shore of Nassau County, Long Island, it's Johnny G. All you gotta do is trust me. Jackson, Maine, still coming around long after the reference makes sense. Abortion is healthcare. I agree with you there, Jackson Maine. Thank you, brother. That's always a solid POV. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios, my nearly silent co-host, Arthur Gabers. Arthur, give him a shout out. Arthur, not actually in here. Old senior dog, Arthur, not my brother, not an actual engineer. He is currently sleeping in the living room. Also joining me in the High Mighty Studios. I've been on their podcast. I've performed with them live like 15 years ago or so. You know them. You love them for Punch Up the Jam. It's the Gregory Brothers. Hi guys! Oh, hey, oh. It's good to be here, and to, and and to receive such a enthusiastic intro. You know, you warned us level. it was going to be loud and chaotic, but I didn't expect you were going to call us shitheads. It felt good. <laughs> I I call you and everyone shitheads. To be fair, so uh, join in. You know, listeners of this podcast are shitheads. Oh, that reminds me, it's a good T-shirt idea. I'm a shithead with like a person who has like the poop emoji for a head. <laughs> <laughs> Tell that to your dad. You want to know how to make money That's in this business? T-shirt ideas. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get on that ASAP because we're flying into the hot, hot, you know, retail season. This is the prime time for people to buy their dad I'm a shithead t-shirt and have it sneak under the tree, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> Everyone's got it on their Christmas list now after hearing us uh, talk about it here. So we have to fucking deliver like Santa. We got to deliver. That's bro. the kind of shirt. <laughs> it's the kind of shirt that the entire lifespan of the shirt is as a stuffing stocker or as a stocking <laughs> stuffer. Like it should arrive in your mailbox on December 23rd. It goes in the stocking on December 24th. It comes out on December 25th, and then it's just already in a bag to go to Goodwill by the 26th. You know, when I worked as an inventory guy at the teddy bear factory, I was a stuffing stalker. 
a stuffing stocker, <laughs> not a stocking stuffer. I mean, yeah. You would That's put a, the stovetop up on the. Yeah, cabinet. that was my. <laughs> yeah, I took the stuffing out of the teddy bears and I put them on the shelves. I take it off the shelves, put it back in the teddy bears. I was a stuffing stalker. Shipping it out for repairs. All, all those. <laughs> I'm always scooping. You thought Thanksgiving stuffing. Yeah, I'm scooping out the inside of turkeys and putting them on shelves. So I'm a stuffing stalker. <laughs> <laughs> a stuffing stock boy, if you will. <laughs> you know, I know we're supposed to talk about something completely different, but stuffing is on the brain. Dude, stuffing sure. is I, always on the it's brain. It's a dish I don't think about Wait, 51 weeks like. out of the year. Oh, I love it. I love it, but I don't think about it. It doesn't occur to me. I don't experience stuffing for, you know, 11 and a half other months. Which is crazy. And flying into late November. I'm with you. I love yeah. stuffing. One time I we did a I think I've said Well don't you think it was one of those things that pr- it probably was like a Hall of Fame dish back if you're a pilgrim. You're having stuffing every day. Right, you're not fucking around. You're like we got this big basket of old bread. We got to turn it into something. Yeah. Hell yeah, and you got to soak up all the blood and what again the gut juice from the inside of whatever poultry you're whipping up. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Um, you know what holiday I it would be great if different holidays had stuffings that kind of related to their ho- holiday and I-, I would love for there to be a 4th of July stuffing. Oh yeah, like what chopped up hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, and like and hot dog buns. It's all like it's hot dog buns like covered in hot dog water. Oh. It's just like tossed in the hot dog water instead of in like chicken stock and then you just bake it. But but with like some summer shit, you know, like put in some red onions and put in like some feta cheese and some like tomatoes or something. So there's a kind of a a summer vibe with all the hot dog. Water. Yeah, heck yeah! And then you sculpt, and then you sculpt in the shape of a giant turkey. You just sculpt it out of ground beef <laughs> and jam the stuffing up. There. Cheese, lettuce, tomato, pickles on top of the turkey <laughs> on top. But it's kind of the same as Thanksgiving stuffing because the funny thing about Thanksgiving stuffing to me is it's always salt served just like right next to a big pile of rolls. It's like, do you, would you like a a roll with your pile of baked double baked bread? It's like having eggs next to a chicken. Yeah. It's like serving eggs next to a chicken. It's like, yeah. do you want it like this or do you like do you want it how it started? <laughs> yeah. Do yeah. you like the grown-up bird or the baby bird? So I'd also love to have the fourth of July stuffing just right next to the hot dog you're eating on a hot dog bun. Yeah. It's like, do you want the once baked hot dog bun or do you want the twice baked hot dog bun? <laughs> Oh, uh, man, I brought stuffing to a fucking potluck lunch when I was a PA at Best Week Ever. I just made two boxes of stovetop and put it in a giant Tupperware. And everyone else was like, you know, I was 23. Everyone else was like, you know, in their late 20s living in the city and like knew what to do with food. And they all made different stuff. But the biggest hit <laughs> was this barrel of fucking stovetop that I made like in July. <laughs> like people were like, this rules. And I was like, yeah, we should have stuffing more. Fr-. I felt like a fucking God. I was like, hell yeah, this rules. <laughs> <laughs> I followed the directions on the box and now I have friends. Right? That's how I felt. I was like, I'm actually impressive. Like, <laughs> the stakes were so low, but it did feel like I'm at a work party. I need to impress these older, cool TV producers. I'm just a dumb PA. And I was like, I have no skills. And I was like, oh, st- I love Stovetop. I wonder if these assholes do. And then Stovetop, fuck. That's the thing, too. Stuffing rules. And, y- you know, you like like a certain food. You're like, oh, I love turkey. It's like, have you had boar's head sliced turkey? You're mm. like, eh. If you love stuffing, Stovetop fucking <laughs> scratches the itch, dog. It's like, you know, 
real stuffing is only marginally better than stovetop in my book. For me, I just love stuffing so much. Yeah, that, yeah, like, and probably because it's it's just such a lo-fi dish. It's just chopped up bread. You know, the box stuff couldn't be that far off. But you know, I had the opposite experience one time with the like the work potluck, which is such a potentially toxic event. We don't even get into it. But anyway, I I had that experience where oh, we're bonding as a team at somebody's apartment. We had know, a dozen people over. And I was so young, I got real nervous about it. It was like very high stakes for me. And so I you know, called my mom, what is a recipe of something fancy? And I did some uh, vegetable dish. But the main thing I remember is that I cooked it there. Like I brought the ingredients and was like in the kitchen, whisking something at their apartment. <laughs> Can I start cooking? Now? Yeah, like I have to. I, and I thought it was like. I thought I was like, you know, winning an award. Like I'm doing this so fresh. Like I'm like, I should have a feather in my cap for doing this fresh, you know? And I remember my boss, frankly, was not that much older than me, like looking over at my shoulder, uh, go, going, mom, he, he's over here whisking his own vinaigrette. <laughs> and everyone else had just brought in the most basic ass, like potato and cheese casserole or, you know, that was just like delicious delicious fat and starch you know <laughs> and i i i way over i had the opposite experience of your stovetop where you did the basic thing and got accolades you won social awards i overworked and was shamed for it it's sad that you did this in a world before life hack websites evan because now you would just know the ultimate life hack life hack for vinaigrettes is putting it in a mason jar you just travel with it in the mason jar your vinaigrettes already made shit but that dude. was so long ago it was before life hacks were invented Oh, wait. Yeah, I, I didn't know about websites. You're always telling us about that life hack that changed your life. That's the one, the vinaigrette in the mason jar thing. The one that like revolutionized how you live. And <laughs> shake. <laughs> Just shake it up. The one thing is you have to remember the t- you have to remember to put the top on the mason jar before you shake it up. I just want to make sure your listeners know that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Don't shake you. it with the, with the lid off. I, I'm still laughing at the idea of like, Hey, we're doing a potluck and you showing up with like the raw ingredients, like the idea of how much of like a strain that is on the host, like in a New York apartment. You know what I mean? Like I'm picturing a friend coming over and like, great, we're going to sit down. It's like, I just have to make the nachos real quick or whatever. And you're like, oh, no. (laughs) Yes, completely. Completely. I was I was so absolutely oblivious when I think of it now and I think of being in the reverse position, hosting some people and somebody just brought the raw stuff over. Actually, that also did happen to me now that I think about it. I'm a dad, and when I had my first kid, uh, people bring you food in an awesome, generous community. It's such a great thing you can do for new parents yeah, that are sleep derived. The meal train derived. shit. The meal train yeah. shit. You somebody, and so we had that for like two or three weeks. People bringing us fresh, hot dinner, and there was one set of friends that just showed up with a raw ass chicken. Everyone else brought us beautiful takeout or something that they had cooked that was really wonderful, their mom's best recipe, blah, blah, blah. And this one friend, just Matt and his wife, came over with a raw chicken and proceeded to roast it for an hour where my wife and I were staring at each other like, we could have been in bed an hour ago, and we're, but we're we're socializing with, with these people. Like, the baby's going to wake up any, any second, like, deliver me from this hell. You're like, all right, thanks, boss. I, I got the while while this is cooking, I'm just gonna I need to shower up real quick. If I could just get a towel and a, and a loofah. <laughs> you like get fully ready at their house. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly right. I, was, <laughs> I I could be doing valuable things. I need to sh- I need to shower. I gotta uh, take out the diaper or what you know, whatever the the hell it is. So now I imagine myself going to that potluck back when I was like a f- brand new minted youngster in the workplace and it's so embarrassing. <laughs>
<laughs> I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, well, what we wanted to talk about today is where we learned on an episode of your show, Punch Up the Jam, when I was a guest, we did Brandy, Are You a Fine Girl? and punched that song up into a fantasy realm. And we had a really good time doing it. And we realized we're all three of us are pretty big fantasy fans because around the time we were talking Wheel of Time, that adaptation to come out, this is predates Rings of Power. Like uh, a lot of uh, this predates House of Dragons. All a lot of fantasy is out. We've read a lot of fantasy, seen a lot of fantasy, and I, I don't know. I, I don't want to speak for you guys, but I'm the type of dude that I seek it out, and I will. Like I watched all of C on the Apple Network, Apple TV. It's the Jason mm. Momoa blind post-apocalyptic future where everyone is blind, but there is swords and spears and arrows and shit. So I fucking watched every episode, three seasons, and it's it's wow. kind of good. <laughs> and I watched I watched fucking twenty eight hours of it. <laughs> I think the best thing of like of the of you coming on our show is that we didn't actually know that about you, right? And like lucked into it by sheer coincidence. That's how we wanted to revise the song and then it was like i don't know kind of a, a, a reveal felt like we had written a, a screenplay with this reveal that oh this is actually perfect for you yeah this is and actually directly in my wheel that's why i would want to come back together yeah. yeah it was and it was also like at the very end of recording or maybe even right after we turned off the mics that either evan or i like casually said the word trollock yes and you just <laughs> you just like sat up in your you just like sat up in your chair you were like did someone say trollock <laughs> Which, of course, is the like the trademarked, not actually trademarked, but like the trademark orc of the Wheel of Time universe. You know, the Wheel of Time guy sat down to pin his books and he was like, okay, so the orcs will attack. Um, uh, I mean, I'm going to cross out orcs. That, that was already yeah. used. <laughs> Trolls. But what, no, what's exactly like an orc? Uh... <laughs> like, Trollic is literally <laughs> looks like troll and orc next to each other. Like, that's what's funny about Trollic. It's like, <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's a trope of every fantasy, right? You need some sort of, like, uh, fodder army that your heroes can just kill like crazy like in in the D&D world yes, it's like goblin kind it's orcs in uh Lord of the Rings it's trollocs in Rings of pa- uh, in uh Wheel of Time like all of them have it uh fucking the storm uh stormlight archives have those weird like uh uh Pashmin or whatever they're called like they just keep creating things that you could run through because you just want your hero to dice up hundreds of mindless bad guys so you're not like stressed about the like logistics of like wait are they intelligent creatures like why is this why are we worshiping this guy who's slaughtering all of them so they do so much work to be like they're yeah. made from evil and, and no shit. shade of gray even in like uh e- even in uh the uh oh David Eddings? No, dang! This is the the uh, what? Sword the, the, of Shannara? I'm, you blocked me by saying House of Dragons, uh, the pre House of Dragons, Game of Thrones, the real House of Dragons, yeah, Game of Thrones, uh, Game a of Song Thrones. of Ice, even and in fire. Game of Thrones, where everyone, yeah, it's, <laughs> song, uh, of- <laughs> song of Ice and Fire, everyone is like, oh, in this world, there's shades of gray. It's like, well, then the Night King shows up, and it's like, yeah, yeah, there's still a totally evil, no shades of gray, bad guy. <laughs> right, They're right. like in the orcs, the trollocs, the goblins. That's their orcs. There's no shade of gray. And I'm going to bring in to our expanded fantasy universe, 
the Redwall series. You do the Redwall series when Whoa. you were a kid, John? I do not know, but I'm familiar. Like, I know people it was, who love it, that shit. It was like a gateway into the fantasy world for kids. If you're like a middle schooler, yeah. you would read this, and it's, it's about animals and stuff. There's not really magic in there, so. Yeah, but all the bad guy animals are all like rats and stoats and ferrets. And you, like, as a kid, I remember hitting this period where I was like, the good guys are mice and bunnies. Are any, like, are any of the rats or stoats ever gonna be good? And it's like, no, these books are kind of racist. Well, <laughs> that's, like, no, no one can overcome their nature. That's funny you say that because I, I've been reading uh, the uh, the Drizzt, the Legend of Drizzt books, uh, like Forgotten Realms D and D series. Uh, there's been like 28 novels. I, I read them. A, I read like the first 12 to 15 when I was a kid. And then when pre-pandemic, I started training for a half marathon and I was like, oh, I don't want to just listen to music all the time. I was like, oh, what if I I don't run at a pace that needs rhythm. So what if I listen to audiobooks? Like, <laughs> oh, what if I re-listened to fantasy books I read because that, like if I miss a beat, I'll know like, oh, yeah, like that. I know the story kind of. So I re-listened to all the Legend of Drist books and I only ever made it up through like book 12 in the 90s. There's like 20, I've gone all the way through. I'm up to contemporary times. And in the most recent book, there's been this like severe retconning of Drizzt is famously a drow elf or a dark elf, a black elf. And they are mm -hmm. naturally evil mm -hmm. and they're elves. <laughs> like it's very, so, and they happen to be black. And yeah, yeah. In a, in that D&D &D kind of way that chaotic evil is just baked into their being. Right, exactly. And then he's like this glimmer of hope. But in this most recent one, spoiler, we meet drow elves who aren't inherently evil. And we learn that like Menzo Berenzin, where they live because it's so close to like hell and demons and uh, that deep under dark that they are, you know, forced into this like evil. And it's like in this book, Drizzt is having extended conversations about like, well, when you kill a goblin, is a goblin not a father? You know what I mean? And it's like all this really, and you're like, finally someone was like, hey, we're just whole slaughtering these people and we give them intelligence and the, the drow is all evil and they're black and every orc is evil because of their, and it's like, there's a lot of like modern shit coming into D&D &D where they're like, the fandom of D&D &D has changed so much that they're like, we should, uh. We should make it a little cooler. <laughs> like we should be a little more open minded with our. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you see that now, kind of different moral code in like a whole swath. It's like makes sense to fucking change that because so many of these books just have like, yes, like when Gimli and fucking Legolas slaughter two hundred orcs, you're like, well, what's the orc situation? <laughs> well, I think they tried to get around that in. Uh, the Tolkien and and similarly in the Wheel of Time with the Trollocs by suggesting that these are basically manufactured beings. Yes, they're like they're coming out of like a body factory. You know, they're just printing. They're three D printing these soldiers out of flesh. You know, yeah, Saruman when he when he when he rips up the forest around his tower. Saruman is just printing the orcs in the two towers and the and the first yeah and the, the, and the trollocs are just being fabricated through magic there's right and and so then you don't have to answer the question of like but are they a daddy yeah who is this orc's father the answer is saruman the evil wizard who made them out of mud and clay and magic and Ooh. they play into that a little bit in rings of power they he, he calls them his kids and he like feels for them uh, did you guys watch that by any chance Andrew was actually just, I haven't watched it yet, but Andrew was actually telling about it this morning. I watched the first episode of Ring of Power, and 
at the end of one episode, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, just did, I, just, I did the entire Wheel of Time series. Is there is there like a line to be drawn about like the, the, like the Lord of the Rings movies? These are good. Hobbit movies, good enough. Rings of Power, not good enough? Is it a quality thing or you're just fatigued? Uh, I think part of it was the fatigue of having actually watched the Wheel of Time series, which... I will say is one of the worst TV series I've ever watched in my entire life. That, that was br- that was brutal. That was truly because in uh, just yeah. to jump on there in that half marathon training. Once I caught up with Drizzt, I then listened to. I've only ever made it reading through like the first four uh, uh, Wheel of Times, and then while training for the half marathon, I got up to like book seven. And then while shooting my travel show, I had a lot of downtime without like my wife around. So I would just play wheel of time, like in my hotel room while I got ready, while I got ready for bed and shit like that. And I made it all the way through all the books. And I kind of liked it. Really loved the last trilogy that Sanderson teams up the the last three books that Sanderson comes in for. And Mm -hmm. then I was Mm -hmm. like, the show came out like a, a month later and I'm like, okay. And dude, like you guys are saying, that was one of the biggest, like I haven't felt that let down since Phantom Menace. Like there's only <laughs> it broke me. one good thing that came out of my life about watching the wheel of time series, which is that around the time the wheel of time series was starting. This was like one of my favorite things about living in my neighborhood for about three months is I went to my bank to withdraw some cash. I needed some cash to like pay someone who was demanding to be paid in cash. So I couldn't just go to an ATM. I had to go to the teller. And my teller, he was like, hey, you have red hair. Have you read the Wheel of Time series? What? And I was like, <laughs> what? And for, first of all, I was like, what banking product is this guy trying to sell me through bringing up the Wheel of Time? Like, you know, in the two rivers, they really could have done a lot better if they had been getting 0.8% interest in a savings account. Like, I was really convinced, but it turned out he'd never met a redhead before. I was the first what? redhead he ever talked This is what he told me. He told me I was the first redhead he had ever met and that he wanted to know if my life was similar to the life of Randall Thor. I swear to God this is true because... I was a redhead and Randall Thor is a redhead in the Wheel of Time series. Jesus. So he was thinking you might actually be magic. So, but, but he was shocked when I was just like, well, actually I have read a lot of the Wheel of Time series. I didn't finish it, but we ended up talking about the Wheel of Time for a really long time. Like so long it made me uncomfortable because there was a line of people gathering behind me. Just trying to deposit. As he was just like, so are you a Perrin guy? Are you a Matt guy? He starts, fo- like, the people lining up behind you start following you. They're not there for banking. They're like, lead us. You're like, oh, whoa, whoa. You're, like, You're the chosen one. The dragon reborn. <laughs> My thread in the pattern uh, bends towards I, your magnetism. But a false dragon. Uh, but basically, like, it was through sheer coincidence, it was that week or the next week that the Wheel of Time series was starting. <laughs> and I started going back every week and just withdrawing like $20 so I could talk to the guy about the show. <laughs> and, Dude, I need to give you my phone number. <laughs> and, you could just text me. And he had, he had, he was so mad about it. He was so mad about the show. And the first week I went back to him, I was like, he wasn't mad about you. He's no, so psyched. I, I was visiting. withdrawing $20 and he didn't recognize me. And then I like, I was like, it was like a passing someone to something like, it, it was like being a spy. I was like, Withdrawing my twenty dollars, like, hello, sir, I'm here to withdraw twenty dollars, 
And then like he was just going through the motions, like kind of confused, frankly, because like why am I withdrawing twenty dollars from and the not teller? For, not for me. Too, and then like under my breath, I was like, I'm the Wheel of Time guy. <laughs> I'm the guy. I'm the guy who, who read the Wheel of Time. It is. I swear to God, his face lit up, and from under his desk. He fucking pulled out the Wheel of Time book, the first one. He was reading it at work under the desk at the Bank of America. And like around the time the seventh grade episode came came out, like the last episode, the guy disappeared from my bank. (laughs) I can only assume. He killed himself. He must have got fired. He was constantly reading the Wheel of Time or talking to me about the Wheel of Time. Severely let down by the show. He yeah, was a deep reader. Continue. He had read the series like multiple, multiple, multiple times. So he was one of those guys who's really like, well, in the in the first page of the book, like this happens. But in the first 10 seconds of the series, this is what happens. Like he was really parsing it where I was just kind of like, I think the show's bad. I, I haven't read the books in 15 years. <laughs> yeah, I, the books are pretty boring. Like, like the first few are cool. Then there's like a middle six where everyone is like, this, it got really frustrating. My friend Mark Rennie, also a fantasy head, he was like, he's like, I was like, oh, I'm reading the Wheel of Times. He's like, are they all just like whining about how they don't want to do the thing that they're destined to do? And I'm like, you know what? Yeah, the entire premise <laughs> seems to be them rejecting the call to adventure for about four novels. That's like just too much for your hero. Like, you're like, Perrin, you're a fucking wolf. Matt, you're like this insane rogue. Uh, fucking Rand, you're the Dragon Reborn. Uh, uh, Egwene, you guys are fucking uh, wizards. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Come on. Let's just fucking play. <laughs> you know, I read them kind of, the, the first few. I was even reading them when they came out ages ago. And I fondly remember the first, I'm going to say, five books as like one of my favorite reading experiences of my life. Just like being a teenager, reading these books were so fully absorbing. And I believed all the magic stuff in the sense that, like, the world of the magic was so fully realized that I barely had to even suspend my disbelief. I could, I could like, picture and imagine what they were doing, you know. Then you get in to what you're talking about, the middle, like, six books. It's just in, in each of these are thousand-page tomes, <laughs> right? right? Exactly. And the world was just so big that when everybody went off on their own quest, you had so many characters off questing and moping about not doing the thing like you're saying that that you could go through a whole thousand page book and not hear about Perrin yeah like Perrin and Matt were left out of like individually left out of whole novels (laughs) and you're like what the fuck that's the wolf guy there was one where didn't wasn't there one where like in the, on the last page of one of the books a building collapsed yeah, on Matt? Yeah, the wall falls on Matt. And then the whole next book you don't hear about Matt for an entire <laughs> for an entire novel. Yeah, you don't know if he's like alive or not. Yeah. Yeah, and you get one <laughs> chapter about the random bard, and then another whole chapter about the ship captain or whatever. You know, two novels later you go back to Matt, one of the three main characters. You know, that's cuckoo. Yeah. The last three books too, like if if you have read the if you've read the series previously, like picking up with just the last three books that where Sanderson co-writes them, I think that's like he he got left with Robert Jordan's notes and they were like, Can you write the last book? And he's like, uh, looking over Jordan's notes, I, I can only make this as a trilogy. And you know, and Sanderson is a nine hundred page book writer as well. Like the Stormlight Archives are fucking not known for brevity. Yeah, he's a, yeah not <laughs> overwritten AF, but in a way that I love. Uh, so I highly recommend if you haven't, that's a fun, I, I listened to it too. Uh, so what, 
like if you know the characters' names and you can p- picture them in your head, the listening is pretty good. And then Brandon Sanderson gives like an intro when he takes over on like the third to last book 11 of 14 or whatever he gives in a little and i was on the road this is like week six of shooting my travel show i'm drunk every day away from my wife and family as i know it i'm in the shower listening and brandon sanderson is talking about taking over for robert jordan and i start fucking weeping like need to like get out of the shower and sit on the edge of the tub and i'm just like affected and i'm like oh i guess if you listen to 200 hours of anything like it gets to you (laughs) (laughs) you are absorbed man that's a really good endorsement because i did actually eventually the books got too much of a slog and and i left it in a mournful kind of way i was like i used to love this and now i can't do it but i did dip back in to read the last book only i was like i need to have this concluded even though it's been 10 years since i've touched this series i must read the ending but i did not come in at that what you're talking about book 11 or 12 or whatever it was i would love to read that intro it's great endorsement i have to go back and check that out the last book is a great is a great it's a full the book is a battle. It's a thousand pages and it's one battle. The final battle. Like, that's fucking Yes, cool. the, the scope of what has been set up. Oh, this is it's the battle to end all battles, right? And it's been, you've been talking about it for 6,000 pages. So it's been set up to be this massive thing. How could you possibly deliver on the goods of making this the apocalyptic event that it's supposed to be? Well, I'll tell you how you do it. You t- make it take another thousand pages. <laughs> yeah. <the> one battle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know. That sounds crazy crazy to attempt, and that's what they did, and it's awesome. (laughs) I I have a hard time believing they pull it off. (laughs) uh, But, Andrew, I want to go back to basically, like, what's really crappy about the adaptation. Because I only watched the first episode, but and it was sort of like, meh, for me. And what you're telling me is that actually gets worse. Well, I would say the very first thing that is notably bad about the adaptation of The Wheel of Time is the wigs. I've never I've never watched any piece of filmed fiction where the wigs on all of the actors were so obvious. We we're just like, wow, these are some bad wigs. And I did not love their version of Lan. Like Lan was so built up in my head that when when we saw him on camera, I was like, oh, like that doesn't feel cool. Like I don't know why I was so let down by him. Uh, like I guess I built him up in my head as like this epic hero and then the dude playing him is just like this kind of like weird quiet and i know he's like supposed to be stoic but in my head he's like a a ranger or like cecil from final fantasy or some shit and in and in the book in the series he's just like a (laughs) quiet guy who's like that's right i said die (laughs) you're like okay whack i mean i i like i want to give them a little bit of a grain of salt because i think their production was basically ruined by covid like i think they had to pause filming halfway through for COVID and then had to come back and film in a like a barely post COVID world where like everything is like being shot on a green screen and like the actors are hardly even in the same room because you're being so careful about COVID. Right. And I think Matt, like they switched the actor who played Matt too. Yes. They, and they wrote him out. He's not in the last couple episodes because they, they, he quit and they just like randomly wrote him out in a way that he's not written out in the book. So that uh, entirely sucks. He quit because of COVID stuff? I have heard, I've seen rumors online that it was like anti-vax stuff. That, uh, But those are only rumors. I'm not sure. Mm. I don't think that's official. 
that he refused to get vaccinated, and then they were like, "Well, we'll just write you off and get another actor for the second season." That's so crazy. Uh, but which is which is not. I mean, it's like Nuts. I understand the the decision there, but it's like not gonna really help you out creatively. But the the craziest thing to me is like in every single fantasy not novel or adaptation there's the scene where you know uh the the biggest army of evil things ever is is charging the city there's no way we can hold this back whether it's the night king and game of thrones or you know whether it's all the orcs and the two towers yeah the uh what's the, the, end of the wheel what's of the time. tower fight in two like where they uh, uh helm's deep yeah, helm's deep, helm's yeah, deep yeah, 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 where yeah, gimli and legolas go off but at the end of Wheel of Time, there's this bizarre rewrite in the show, which is like a very creative choice to my mind. I think in the books, Rand destroys this whole army who's like, you know, the dragon reborn, this all-powerful guy. Because he's discovering his magic powers. Yeah, and in the TV show, they made it a bunch of like untrained Aes Sedai who are like the lady wizards of this universe. And it's just like, man, like if five untrained Aes Sedai could destroy the most powerful army the world has ever seen like maybe this isn't that big of a problem actually guys like <laughs> yeah maybe uh, we don't have untrained Ace oh they solved all, all the problems <laughs> trollocs are gone like, like, at the oh, end then, of the episode yeah, yeah if, then, the, if the five noobs can do it and you know there's like several hundred fully like the phds of magic no. back in the city then you could, maybe the world's actually pretty well protected yeah in the second season when they're like Ah, uh, an even greater army has been raised. <laughs> well, just send five experienced wizards yeah. instead of five people who are absolutely untrained. Yeah, what about six newbies? Oh, well, you know what? You're speaking to something that is one of my complaints about long-running fantasy series is that the overpoweredness of the he of characters become like problematic. Where it's like not problematic in like the modern sense of that word, but in like uh, problematic in that like you have to like ramp up how powerful the bad guys are because like Rand gets so powerful. You have to like Drizzt has so many magical items by the time like you're in book 15 like and he's so well trained and he's defeated like demons and all that. So like when he's in a battle, you're like he's like and he's moving faster than he's ever moved before. You're like it doesn't like how how could he not win? And then like <laughs> in recent books, he had to like uh, the the evil spider that's chasing me knows my equipment. That's what it's following me for. I have to lose all my equipment. Like they keep writing themselves into situations where it's like, how do we make it like, so he's not fully OP nuking everyone that comes for him. Cause we've made him so powerful over 18 books. Like he's too heightened. They have to, we have to like fabricate yes. huge problems for him. <laughs> Whoever, Whoever's writing the books played uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild and was like, uh, Driss has landed on an island where he lost all his equipment and is suddenly <laughs> naked and uh, has to defeat three shrines. Um, uh, uh, no, that, that's Zelda. And that's Zelda. Uh, the bullets are made of kryptonite, uh, so he can't dodge. But it also, it also speaks to like the stakes on the other side, you know, just like in the Wheel of Time. You know, the end of the first season is like the greatest army ever raised. And then it's like, uh, but in the second season, there will be an even greater army of Trollocs. And they got ghosts, it's, too. It's like the same problem as the Marvel movies have that, like, right. you can exactly. only be nervous about the world being destroyed by aliens zapping huge lasers out of their eyes for so many movies before that doesn't, before the, the stakes are more interesting when it's just sort of like, uh, a personal thing. Yeah, what if only one person was going to get murdered? Yeah. yeah, well, it's funny you say that too because 
calling in the Trollocs, the Orcs, all that shit. They play by the the rules of like GI Joe. Uh, uh, oh, these these Cobra uh, soldiers are robots. <laughs> Stormtroopers are faceless. We could just murk as many of them as we want and just keep adding more and more. And you're like, it it just feels like yeah. A, Oh, now there's a million bad guys. Oh shit, it's ten million bad. Like, how much? Like, w- when does it feel like <laughs> too much? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> yeah, the number can get as big as we want. This is this is the biggest army ever raised to date, guys. Yeah. We're gonna have to find six Ace to Die trainees to take this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys? So we're we're living in sort of like whether or not. And nothing is like satisfying, unfortunately, but we are living in like peak fantasy TV adaptations and movies, I feel like, too. I feel like yeah. fantasy, thanks to Game of Thrones and and are arguably all the way back to the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, like fantasy yeah, has yeah. a place. It has an audience now, even like when Game of Thrones, like I was reading A Song of Ice and Fire, I, I, College Humor, uh, you and I, we, you guys and I were, fr- were friends via college humor extended family dan meth who was an artist uh an illustrator in like 2006 at college humor was like oh you read fantasy you should read us read a song of ice and fire they're turning it into an hbo series it's pretty dope i was like yeah you got it dan and i read like the first three books and then the show came out and it like <laughs> held up and you were like whoa yeah the world is here we're gonna have swords yeah. and dragons on tv and then no one else has done it <laughs> Game of Thrones argu- <laughs> arguably spent all their capital. Yeah, Game of Thrones is huge success. That's what gives Amazon the license to go out and try to make Wheel of Time, right? This beloved series that everyone knows has like the biggest and best constructed world and the best version version of magic and 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 all that stuff. Like people have been waiting to attempt it. I think somebody even attempted it um you know f- 5 or 10 years ago. Have you watched that? No, uh, do you know what do you know what Evan's talking about, John? There was a no. previous attempt at adapting the Wheel of this Time. This is insane. That oh, my that, gosh. That was you like, got to. Okay, I'm, I'm forgetting okay. the, the backstory. <laughs> the but backstory, there's, like, a, the there's like one rich guy behind it, right? The backstory is that someone owned the rights to adapt the Wheel of Time. Who, For I, all the reasons enumerated. Everyone yeah. knows that this yeah. is one of the greatest <laughs> series, blah, blah, blah. And th- I, th- I think the Jordan family had turned against him. I think this is after Robert Jordan died. Really, all that matters... All that matters is his rights were about to expire. There was something in the deal that was like, well, if you don't make mm. something in five years or if you don't make something in 10 mm. years, the rights revert to the Jordan family. <laughs> so <laughs> all that matters is basically like to restart the clock. He made like a 20 minute pilot that is like the worst shit you've ever seen. <laughs> Just to own the rights for another ten years and have another chance to make it, you right? Know, there's no like, there's no bar he has to cross for quality. Yes. He just has to make it's something. Like, this thing is like a twenty five thousand dollar pilot that's twenty minutes long of just like two people yelling at each other in the Wheel of Time world. Well, like the av- <laughs> just to someone just to had to do that clock. with the Avengers once, right? Like our Spider Man. There's like a really bad Avengers movie out there. Like maybe Roger Corman, even or someone like that. Someone in order to maintain the rights had to just like yeah. shit out a movie real quick to hold on to Marvel rights. And there's like this legendarily bad <laughs> Avengers movie out there somewhere with like cloth costumes and Thor and Hulk and shit like that. 
Uh, try to find some screen grabs of yeah, that. The, I will be seeking out this Wheel of Time OG <laughs> pilot for sure. Yeah, it's on YouTube We're, now. I think you can find all, it on YouTube. You know how in Wheel of Time, like the the backstory that's like is always being flashed back to, where like the legend is about like Luz Theramon that's killing like a th- his family a, a thousand years like before. A thousand years was ago. The he killed his family. War, the Great War. He went crazy, and so he blew up his, <laughs> yeah. himself and his family. Basically, it's like. If I recall correctly, it's just like 20 minutes of him and his wife yelling at each other right after he killed their whole family. <laughs> it's insane. It's like a fucking It's like a fucking 90s uh, family drama. <laughs> but you were the dragon reborn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like a crime, a 90s crime uh crime made for TV movie except set in a fantasy world. Athletic Greens, a literal product that advertised on my podcast, I use every single day. Um, I started taking it because it's an easy way to get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens into your system first thing in the morning. And this special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the good stuff, baby. So do yourself a favor. And get on it. Like the taste is uh, great. Uh, I bring it with me when I travel. It's a great way to start the day. You feel like it's a baby step, but if it's if you wake up first thing in the morning and take a whole glass of Athletic Greens to the dome, right away you're getting twelve to sixteen ounces of water and a bunch of high quality vitamins, minerals, and that's the first step you're taking in the day. That's good for you, man. It, it, you know, it's just. It's a very easy buy-in for a very healthy habit. And it's keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no chemicals, no artificial anything. Uh, it's cheaper than a cold brew. It's cheaper than getting all the supplements yourself. Um, it's it, oh, your, your subscription also comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which we're learning is rather important to add in these winter months, especially when we're not getting as much sun, sunlight. So get started on the micro habit with big benefits. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. And five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash mighty. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash mighty to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Rocket money! Oh no, Elton John is suing me for uh, doing my uh, unlicensed parody of Rocket Man called Rocket Money. Uh, Look, if your New Year's goals are to manage your budget better and save money, Get yourself some Rocket Money, okay? Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought just to watch one show on, or the now that you moved in with your partner, you don't need your own HBO, like whatever. Um It'll quickly, uh, Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify these subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you no longer want. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, 
I mean, you know how many times I've just been like, oh, crap, am I still paying for Times Crossword? I haven't used that in six years or whatever. You got to keep your eye, and Rocket Money will do that for you. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash mighty. That's rocketmoney.com slash mighty. R-O-C-K-E-T-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash M-I-G-H-T-Y. Rocketmoney.com slash mighty. Do you guys have uh, a favorite fantasy series that we haven't talked about yet that like, because I, I have a few other really fantasy series that mean a lot to me that I, I don't know. And I used to think I wanted everything adapted, you know, like young Gabris was like, I got to see this as a movie. Oh, man, this would be a great TV show. But more and more, I'm like, well, maybe don't do this one. Because, like, Wheel of Time, like, really soured for me. <laughs> like, yeah, and Rings of Power was not Yeah, you grew, you grew up and now you're jaded. Yeah, the Game of Thrones stuff is, like, the exception and not, right. and not the rule. <laughs> you, you, see it, you see it flop more often. You know, the, the, the essence of fantasy is that you can't imagine. It doesn't exist on this world. So you, you try to put it on the screen and it just sucks. Yeah, and it requires a lot of money. And so people bet big on it. And then when they bet big, they, you know, they bet a little safer, too. They're not, like, going to take a wild swing with Rings of Power or... Well, that's what's funny about Amazon, too. They spent all that money on Wheel of Time and then spent even more on Rings of Power. (laughs) And, like, you're already in so (laughs) deep and you're like, hold on, the only answer is to go deeper. It's like, are you sure? Like, nobody was talking about the Wheel of Time. Nobody was interested in it. I, like, searched it on Twitter one time and I was like... All of the tweets about this are sponsored tweets from Amazon. Oh, it's sad. No one cares. You know, this is a really stupid complaint because I'm really complaining about all of TV. And uh, (laughs) I honestly don't mind if we just talk about Wheel of Time the whole time. But uh, I I am not forgetting your previous question about other stuff we like to read. But uh, my, it's just I watched the first episode of the Wheel of Time adaptation and everyone is so freaking good looking. I was like, all these peasants from a medieval village are such hot supermodels with massive pouty lips quivering and gigantic limpid eyes gazing at each other. I'm I'm watching uh, a Tommy Hilfiger ad uh, and I can't, it takes me out of it in this weird way. Like, no one looks like a warrior. No a, one. A looks- Tommy Hilfiger ad specifically for tunics. well funny you say that because like that's kind of how i felt about lan i used him as a specific example earlier but you're right about every that's what made it feel like a ya it felt like twilight to fantasy you know what i mean like yeah you were like oh they're making like a ya version and then i was even like okay they're going for like a riverdale adaptation of this and it's gonna be steamy (laughs) and kind of no and truly i was like oh that's an interesting take cool yeah they are young people let's make it like sexy and moody and then it doesn't even back that up either it's just like it's got cast all these like young hotties and young like super like i look like a teen star kind of people and then doesn't let them fuck for lack of a better term like we're not kissing we're not like (laughs) there's nothing steamy about the content and you're like oh this is whack this is a misrepresentation there's that scene like halfway through where Perrin has been like living with the gypsy people and they finally, and I think, a, is it Nynaeve or Egwene too? I can't remember which one, but they finally made it to the, like the city and the white tower and they've been traveling for months and there's just like, their clothes are like impeccable just right off the costuming <laughs> rack. There's not like a speck of dirt on their face, like no makeup 
person, no director thought to be like, could we just put our hand on the ground and like smudge some dirt on Perrin's face? Like, no. It just looks like he just like just got out of the shower. You're so right that it looks like Riverdale. <laughs> I have a quick question, John, which is, was the Rings of Power? I watched the first episode of the Rings of Power, which I, or the Ring of Power, which one is it? I don't know. Uh, Me neither. I watched the first episode and I was just kind of like, nah. Was, was, was the rest of it as bad as the Wheel of Time? No. It's better than the Wheel of Time, but again, that is like hardly a claim to fame. But it is, it is better than the <laughs> Wheel of Time in that, like, some cool shit happens and like it jumps around enough, like where we're like following different people, where like the, the there's a little bit of action in every area, and but it it suffers from prequelitis a little bit. You know what I mean? Where you're like, oh, is that Gandalf? Oh, is that Saruman? Oh, is that the, like, watching House of Dragons, you're like, wait, who's the Mad King? Who becomes the Mad King? You know, like, you find yourself being, like, so concerned with the shit down the road, and it kind of affects the viewing. Like, rings. you're like, oh, that's Yeah, it's not about its own story. Yes, exactly. it's, It's more just servicing the nostalgia of the thing you already know. I wanted to like how much it was jumping around in the first episode, because... It's bucking the tropes that are a little tired now, like the tropes of like, I'm just I'm just a bored teen living in my little village. Whether it's Rand or Frodo, like, okay, we're jumping around, we're meeting new characters. But at the end of the episode, I was kind of like, well, that's too much information for me. Maybe I need maybe I need the trope, the teen growing up in his village. The other thing that was crazy to me is that there was going to be a whole plot line about how in the entire history of the universe, no human had ever boned. An elf. <laughs> I just, it's too unbelievable. I'm living in a fantasy world. I'm accepting all of all of the Tolkien stuff. Okay, fine. We're in Middle Earth. There's dwarves. Uh, you're fi- trying to find the One Ring of Power, but I cannot believe that not a single elf has ever boned a human. Well, that <laughs> we start stumbling into like elf supremacy shit at this point. If you start thinking about it, because it's like, why not? Like. <laughs> In D&D, there are half-elven people, half-elf, half-human. There's half-orc, half-human people in D&D. You know what I mean? Like, like it should. there should be half-elven. Like, it makes total sense. But maybe, biologically, they can't have kids. But we should at least get the fuck. And they kind of... A, a guy and a girl kind of... A, a, a human and a female elf, Galadriel specifically, uh, kind of start to connect over the course of the series in a way that you're like, oh, they're going to go for it. And then, spoiler, oh, they yeah. don't for very specific Does the evil, elf, evil reasons. The elf from the first episode who has the crush on the village lady, do, do they get to bone? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the hunky kind of like... Uh, uh, shaved head yeah. uh, like black dude elf who's like like I've been on the wall for 400 years yeah that guy that dude is a fucking hunk and he gets with that chick yeah which is cool they have some uh yeah 100 yeah was but they don't fuck they should we should see full frontal male nudity as he pops <laughs> 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 if the elf has a pointy ears you know like what else is different you know it's like the elf looks very much like a human but there may be some other things that are different has amazon learned nothing about why hbo is beating their pants off in the fantasy adaptation world it's because john wants to see the elf and the lady smashing full frontal yeah this is the boobies that's what people forget about game of thrones it's like it was like a hard r like in both violence and like and n- none of these other shows are because they're trying to be global successes. So they can't be like hard R or have gay characters or 
have Littlefinger give a monologue while fingering a sex worker. Like we can't have that stuff in these. So it just it's not gonna. It feels like part people are discounting. Like everyone's like people love fantasy, and it's like well, Game of Thrones was raunchy too. Like I think people are like throwing the baby out with the bathwater when they're saying like the reason Game of Thrones was successful because it was a fantasy property. It's like not fully. There's a lot going on in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones that work. Yeah, they they had to allow the horny people to come watch. They got to give all the the pervs a reason to watch it. And yeah, and then they stay because they like the, the gateway, the in. world building and shit. But they got to come in to see Khaleesi's boobies. Hell yeah, and then they get to exactly stay right. for the drama, the friendship, the passion. Fuck them. Yeah, they're forgetting about? that about the Ring of Power. <laughs> the, yeah, they stay for the passion. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We live in a real world where we know humans boned Neanderthals. So absolutely in a fantasy world, a human would want to bone an elf and vice versa, I assume. (laughs) What a fuck. That's really (laughs) funny. All right. Wait, back to the uh, OG question. (laughs) What are other fantasy series you guys really like? Because I'd like to connect on some others. I'll throw out a few of mine. Okay. Without explaining them, so let me go them- first, just because it's it's segueing off of like what will humans bone, and okay, that is perfect. I tried a series, and I, I read several books out of this series by uh, this guy that's just you know cranking stuff out like a factory. His name was Piers Anthony. Did you read any of his stuff? No, I haven't. Um, what the hell was this series called? Uh, it's like the slices or something. But the idea was like we live in a multiverse. But it's just more fantasy e than science fictiony. Is it like where, Cylinder World? Uh, um, or I will. It? It's. I just. I need to stop thinking about it, and then it's going to spring into the back of my brain, you know. But it, anyway, the 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 point is that you could travel from world to world, but all the worlds exist, uh, sort of like adjacent to each other, Ooh. like layers of a croissant okay. or something. Like, are you in fact thinking of Roger Zelazny's Amber Books? About the pattern and all that shit. Did you read those, John? I did not. Those rule. Those are amazing. These books. both sound cool, and I don't even know if they're the same ones or the different ones. I'm not thinking of that, but I I'm not thinking of that, but I grant that many, many authors may have had multiversarian ideas and based whole series on it. Anyway, this guy, Piers Anthony, is known for uh he had a long series that's called the realm of xanth or something and that went for that went for decades i think and it, it was more like straight ahead you know swords and magic fantasy um uh, the one i'm talking about is like a little fantasy e a little science fiction because it's very much about like we're traveling from one world to the next if you go from one adjacent universe to the next it's like almost exactly alike and a little thing is off but if you leap you know several layers through this like you know imagine them like geological layers if you leap several layers they get more and more different uh, and so it kind of started off as really cool for me uh, as you're they're chasing baddies in and out of different universes and being chased um, was really cool. But then eventually I just started noticing like, OK, uh, we've gotten to a universe here where all the characters are humanoid, but with cat heads and the hero just like ends up having sex with one. Of- then we went to another universe. Well, he has sex with now it's like a lady who has a dog head. That's what's different here. And like, I, it just started to come into focus for me that like Piers Anthony is just kind of horny and is just writing this for himself to like get <laughs> off on it. I really felt that. I was like, he's just imagining different things that he could have sex with 
and writing it into a book. Really, it's just well, lucky that he lived in a world before, before furry conventions. Like, if he'd grown up in a world with furry conventions, he never would have written these great works of art. He just would have gone to furry conventions. Oh, it was extreme furry. Oh, it, well, like, that's along the same lines. George R.R. R. Martin is clearly, like, a fat pervert who loves food and women. Because, like, his books are all, like, <laughs> if you read them, there's, like, paragraph-long descriptions of every meal that people are... And Tyrion made himself some of the bacon soup, delicious, with the crusty bread to go with it and a fine ale of blah. He's always talking, and you're like, this is... And then when he's talking about sex stuff, it's really... Cre- and you're like, oh, this dude's just like, with his little hat in his office, like, ooh, titties and food. <laughs> that is so Redwall. The books we were mentioning earlier that are kind of like fantasy books for kids, but with anim- with animals... There'll just be like five page descriptions of their, they're like living in this mouse monastery of their, there's barrels of wine and like they're all their roasted acorns, just like these long ass descriptions of their mouse feasts. (laughs) (laughs) That's fucking Lasny. That was a good reference. This Xanth shit sounds cool. I like, I'm a big fan of straightforward swords and sorcery, might and magic. Dragons, swords, shields, bows and arrows, you know, like that shit I always love. Uh, like that, that's like my go. So if I can find like this Xanth series sounds in my wheelhouse, especially someone who's printing out like 40 books. I'm like, okay, that could be, <laughs> that could be a lifelong project of mine. Uh, yeah, you're clearly a guy that will go down the road of 20 novels in a series without batting an eye. Discworld, of- Evan? Is it Discworld? That's ringing a bell. Could be that. Discworld that just popped in my head. Uh, I'm gonna. I've been rereading. This is a. I'm cheating here a little bit because this is way more on the sci-fi tip. Um, but I've been rereading a bunch of Kurt Vonnegut books, which was kind of my gateway when I was in my teenage years from reading like exclusively fantasy and science fiction to kind of like like sidling into the world of actual of, literature quote of, unquote yeah I'm, I'm, I'm in the same boat dude i grown up books same i was i was thing. gonna say literature but i didn't want to offend anyone no that's why because that's how i feel like i was like oh what's the word i'm like oh real literature in quotes and yeah. that's like exactly what i don't want to be saying about fantasy novels but i know what you, i just want to say I'm, i and agree I, with that yeah yeah totally but i had a, i had a teacher who i like generally liked in high school who like when i was going through this phase of reading all these vonnegut books like saw me in the hallway one day. I didn't have him that year, but I was holding like, I don't know, probably my eighth Vonnegut book in like two months. And he was like, oh, Andrew, like you're reading another Vonnegut book. And I was like, yep. And he was like, don't worry. Like it's just a phase or like, don't worry, you'll grow out of it. And I remember being like, that's kind of a dickhead thing for an English teacher to say. <laughs> like basically saying like, don't worry, eventually you'll realize those books are trash. Oh, and I've actually, I've actually gone back a couple times and reread some of them, but I've like, uh, really got on a tear this year because uh, I I had my first kid and I found it really like ground my reading to a halt. And I was kind of like, you know what? These, like if I went back and did some Vonnegut books, they're perfect. They're short. They're incredible page turners. They're like, have these, they're kind of high concept, but they're like easy to read, which is extraordinary. There's a really good documentary new out about him that I'd recommend you watch on Hulu directed by Robert uh, what's the guy's name? Robert Whitey, who directs a lot of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's amazing. But oh, like cool. rereading all these books, I was kind of like, man, there's not really like a definitive, there's not like good versions of his books made into movies. Like there's a really shitty Breakfast of Champions with Bruce Willis. There's like 
a version of Mother Night with Nick Nolte that bombed. They tried Slaughterhouse they Five. They made Slaughterhouse right? Five in the seventies. I've actually never seen it. I've heard it's like not very good, but Robert Whitey actually said it was good in the documentary. And uh, but I, that would be interesting to me. Is like, is there a good version of a Kurt Vonnegut a Vonnegut adaptation? adaptation. Especially yeah. what I'm what I'm most obsessed with is the Kilgore Trout through line in probably about half of Kurt Vonnegut's books. There's a character named Kilgore Trout right. that's kind of like a shitty version of Kurt Vonnegut who writes bad science fiction inside of these science fiction books. And <laughs> I just I just love to see like kind of the Kilgore Trout universe realized. Well, that's the problem too is that you'd be like, "Oh, yes, they're going to they're going to make Slaughterhouse 5 into and then it's like a 10 episode series like and you're like, "Oh, man." Like that just feel like that's the other thing too is like shit being adapted into series makes sense for like these big fantasies but at some point you just want a fucking like I, I'm legit pumped now I've been watching the trailer for a year and a half because I see movies every week but the D&D movie with Chris Pine who I'm a uh, I'm a low-key yeah. big fan of that looks good it looks like they they did the D&D thing right in my mind yeah Chris Pine is like, edge in the heart in, like, the, in the heart. yeah <laughs> <laughs> No one, nobody in the copy editing office thought they could they could have come up with a different name. You saw that name tweet, than... right, John? That tweet that went viral that just said, Chris Pine is edging the bard. <laughs> no, I didn't. That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. Just No one edited it. No one said, like, you know what? This sounds a little bit too much like hand job. Let's just change it to Edgar. Uh, so I haven't seen the trailer to the DVD yeah. movie, but you think it looks good, John? I Well, here's what's exciting. It looks like... Hey, there's a world. We happen to be following these because it's like D and D colon honor amongst thieves, and it's like that's the way to make the D and D world work. And if the next movie they make doesn't have any of these characters, but maybe loosely connects to it in some way, like uh, and like follows another adventure, like the way playing D and D growing up was, where you're like, yeah, we now know all the rules, but over here is two clerics who are fighting for the sanctity of blah 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 like building out the world that way seems like a positive future for Dungeons and Dragons so, so that's what's got me excited is like if play in the world multiple times but not necessarily having to repeat characters right as opposed to like in your very first movie you create some messiah who's a skywalker and then every other movie you ever make has to be some kind of world building around like well but this guy it turns out was actually skywalker's granddad this guy is edging right. the bard's mentor who's the very reason he came to this land somehow edging the bard returned <laughs> uh i'm pretty skeptical of the DD movie and i think part of it is uh i recently started playing DD again with some people in my building who Ooh. cold emailed the whole building and were like hey anyone want to play DD?" very bold move uh, and I, and I, so I literally jealous. laughed at this email. I was like, what sort of moron would email the whole building about this? And then, like, after two days, I was like, huh, like, you know how I'm always complaining about how I don't make any adult friends? Like, I guess this this could be a way I make an adult friends. In a year and a half, I think we've played almost 40 in-person sessions. It has been so insane how dedicated this group has been. It's been so fun. But as someone who's oh, renewed awesome. their interest in D&D, like I haven't played D&D since I was 12 or 13 years old. And these people are in deep. These people like know so much more. They're like listening to all the D&D podcasts. Like I'm just co I'm just like drafting, coasting on their lore knowledge. They're like, well, of course, in wild amount, this sort of race worships this God. And I'm like, oh, whatever, guys. 
Uh, but I'm just, I'm just very skeptical that any D&D movie, because like D&D's popularity has skyrocketed, that there's not going to be some scene where Chris Pine is going to be like, oh, but I'm out of second level spell slots. I need to take a long rest. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like the, I, they will be some tongue in cheek shit like, what do you mean you can't cast a spell? I just need to go to sleep for a couple of hours. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. <laughs> it's like the and d lobby has just become too powerful. In the 90s, when they made the really bad D&D movie, no one actually cared about D&D players, and that went poorly in a different direction because they were just like, oh, we can yeah, do whatever the Marlon Bra- uh, the Marlon Brando. Marlon Wayans yeah, the Marlon and Brando. Uh, Jeremy Irons and shit. Yeah, but I feel like in this in this environment where all of a sudden people are like, we must respect fandoms and D&D is very popular. There's going to be like this slavish devotion to be like, mm, uh, I'm Edge in the Barn, I'm level five. It's like, you don't know what level yeah, I hope Skywalker not. is. Right. The trailer looks like it's Guardians of the Galaxy, but with uh, D&D rules. Like, and there's like an owl bear reference. We see a mimic uh, treasure chest at one point. We see a gelatinous cube. We see a displacer beast. We see a few things that we know from D&D lore. I hope Sick. that's how they do the Easter eggs rather yeah. than like the meta game commentary. I hope that they do more like someone mentions like uh, a chromatic dragon or something. You know what I mean? Like we, we hear about like some of the behind the scenes shit of like, oh, how how did you survive that breath weapon? You know, oh, like, I don't know. I yeah. guess I have some immunity towards it without <laughs> having to say like saving throw or some shit. Yeah. My damage was halved thanks to my resistance to piercing. I'm not too Ooh. worried about that because it was always so clear to me, even as a kid playing d d it always was clear to me that all the mechanic stuff, the technical stuff that you would get bogged down in that would create drama was meant to represent some real world thing of like well this guy's literally better at dodging than her over there that's why you can roll a lower number on the dice so you you could just you could imagine the real world version of oh to be level five just means that you're more skilled right yeah. so, so i i mean I'm it's too right. pessimistic i've been burned too hard by the wheel of time you've been burned too hard the ring of power or the rings of power whichever one it is yeah but i was just honestly the ring of power John, is what i call you just my saying asshole. the, the word... rings of power is the name of the show <laughs> <laughs> you just saying the words gelatinous cube and displacer beast just got me a little bit sprung that's all i want to say just even just even coining those phrases Hell yeah. got me so excited a little bit Hell hit of yeah. adrenaline over here uh, that's dope. Uh, here's a series I want to recommend to you guys. I, I have a few, but this one is maybe it's a little newer. It's the first law series. It's written by Joe Abercrombie and it's a trilogy and it's really fucking good. And I just like, I think you guys might dig it because the way they play magic in that universe is sort of like, it's, it's actually pretty funny, very gritty, violent, and like bleak in that way. But the way they treat magic is sort of like, dare I say, realistic. Like, no one believes in it. A couple of people think they can do it. So everyone has a justification as like, that's not magic. That's just, he knew, you know, there's stuff like that. So it, it makes it really interesting. And the main character is this fucking uh, Logan Ninefingers, this super interesting character. And <laughs> that's a good, fantastic name. <laughs> it's an awesome name. The th- and the first three books are awesome, and they follow his story. And then there's three other books that Joe Abercrombie wrote that all take place in the same world, but isn't about Logan. 
So it like fought, like so it's it's very cool in that like you get the world building there, and then you get these one offs that live in the world, and like you've heard some of the characters mentioned by name, or maybe like the character the dog man who's in a lot of the trilogy, he gets like a bigger part in another book. Like it, I highly recommend, and I, it's really well written, and it's actually funny. Like the like there are funny moments, and and there's sex, and it's violent as fuck. It really is cool. Highly recommended. Oh man, what is what a like crucial compliment to pay that it's actually funny? Because isn't that the like Achilles heel of most fantasy is that it's just so self serious, right? Just like oh the, the the swords and the magic and the drama and the medieval cosplay is all so sincere and and self serious. Like it's pretty difficult to find some ha ha's. Yeah, and that's what that's what's cool. And like, even the comedy is always just like, and he fell on his bum, you know, like stupid shit like that. <laughs> this hat, like, like the character, like, is a funny person. Like he's they're like mean in a funny way. And then there's one character who has like a fucked up mouth and is a super genius, like an evil guy. So his thoughts are very intelligent, but what he says is very like low, low brow, and seems dumb because he's like missing teeth and a tongue and shit. Uh, but the guy who reads the audiobook, that's the other thing. This is a killer audiobook. The guy who reads it's killer, but he does these two different voices for the guy, like his internal monologue, then his like, and it's so real. And then like, I read it first, then listened to it. It made me go back and reread like this character's stuff. Cause the way it was performed was so interesting. Also a rare compliment to say the that the guy reading an audiobook like is doing voices. Yeah. I don't. I usually listen to an audiobook. Mm-hmm. If, if somebody's going to do voices for the characters, that's a scary prospect. That's a scary prospect. You're going to get into some bad yes. territory real quick when the when you've got this big book with where the the uh, narrator is d- doing a different version of British accent for all these fantasy heroes. Gets a little bit gross. Right. The reader Stephen Pacey is his name. Only one of the few book readers whose name I know. Uh, and he does a great job of just doing a little bit of like Logan's voice just has a little gravel in it as opposed to like he only does like a light tweak so that when two characters are talking, you can like wrap your head around it. But otherwise, because I, I listened to one, uh, the um, I just listened to Hannibal and there's like a black character in it. And when like the reader is like doing the Barney's voice, he's like, oh hey, you know, I'm like, uh, this oh is bad. Boy. This is really bad. Do not do this. Yeah, do boy. not do a black voice. <laughs> and it's unnecessary. <laughs> oh. You hate to see it. Do not do what you think a black voice is. Like more specifically, <laughs> it's like, there is no such thing as a black voice. And this guy is like, I think I know what it sounds like. And it's a little uncomfortable for everyone. <laughs> The amazing thing is that, like, that was part of his audition. Like, someone at the publisher's house or, like, the author of the book was like, wow, this guy's black voice is good. Oh, <laughs> you're right, though. Yeah, he's in. We got him. <laughs> um, and my other two favorite fantasy series that are kind of still running right now are the Stormlight Archive, which is the Brandon Sanderson uh Kaladin series that dude Kaladin is the main character who's getting overpowered in the series as I read it so they had to like remove his powers for the last book using magic so that like he had to be wily <laughs> again and then uh uh is it name of the wind what's the Patrick Rothfuss one that's the other one I, I I'm loving and we're still waiting on the third book of the name of the wind I think no, Name of the Wind is the first book. I think it's the King Killer Chronicles is the name of the series. Yeah, that's 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 ringing a bell for me. It's reminding me of this one I read uh, kind of back in the day called Wizard's First Rule. That I, um, 
It's the guy's name. Terry Goodkind is the author. It's reminding me of the way you described uh, First Law. Um, uh, and I, I don't know how many books it ended up being. It's one of the, it, it definitely felt like he took a stab at writing one book, like trying to put a story into, into one book about this guy who's just discovering magic uh, uh, and whatever. And it just worked. It was a hit. So then he's like, okay, uh, I'm going to spin this out into about seven or eight. And, uh, but I, I recall it being a really fun version of, uh, the title wizard's first rule is about like, what's the, what's the, you, you think it's about, oh, a wizard is ruling the world, that, that kind of rule, but it's actually about like, what's the first law, what's the first rule of being a wizard? Never forget to bring your wallet kind of thing. (laughs) Um, Apparently, Sam Raimi created a TV series called Legend of the Seeker based on the Sword of Truth by Terry Goodkind. Oh, oh. which is his. Uh, isn't that crazy? S- I had no idea, but that makes it sense. familiar Sam- to me. So I Googled it and it, it came out in what's the year here? I'm trying to find it. Uh, like 2008. It was like not long ago. <laughs> it's crazy. Sam Raimi had his yes. finger oh, in the Hercules and the Xena stuff, right? Like Sam Raimi was a producer on shot down in New Zealand. He was attached. He was on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. Awesome. Yeah. Now I'm Googling the, too. Ted I've never Ramey, seen this. track that down. That'd be fun we to gotta, watch. We have to follow this up. Because Ted Raimi, the uh, his brother is the is like the is like the comical character in Xena. Um. Yeah, he gets a lot of work, Ted, in Sam shit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the first season of Legend of the Seeker is loosely b- based on Wizard's first rule. There you go. Okay, yeah, it is the same series. Well, then we definitely got to watch yeah. it. We'll track that shit down. I'll send you guys any uh, torrents I find. Um, if you haven't read Stormlight Archives, Name of the Wind, or The First Law, those are kind of three kind of newish ones that are fucking banging. Um, How many books are I in do Stormlight that Archives? You- That's like really famous series that people are deep into. It's funny, like, a lot of my friends won't start a fantasy series until it's done. They don't want to get caught up in a series where they're, like, waiting a year for another, or two years for another book and stuff like that. You don't want to get George R.R. Like, Martin. Ooh, that is... Right. And I'm also being currently Sanderson and uh, Patrick Rothfuss. Like, all these books I love, I'm still waiting on the next book in all of those series. You know what How that's sad called. that Sanderson was the one who saved Is George R. even going to put out a last book? No, I don't think so. He's, I mean, every he, every year or so, he teases out a rumor of just like, oh, I'm thinking about working on it again. <laughs> Back to my orgies. <laughs> Not starting a fantasy series until it's finished. That's just called The Wizard's First Rule. <laughs> don't, don't do that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> truly, truly. Uh... You guys, this has really been inspirational, and I'm I'm embarrassed to say I'm like inspired to read. I've had a hard time like reading in the last ten years since I moved to LA and got addicted to pod and all that. Like I've had a hard time getting books down, but this has just got me kind of hyped. And now I, I I'm looking forward to like I'm like oh maybe I'll reread one of these series that I just gassed you guys up about that'll get like the fucking momentum going again you know you've actually Uh, you've inspired me as well to just hear about your your habit your life hack 
of just having the audiobooks on at what seems every hour of your day. During the course of this hour, you've talked about listening to books and crying in the shower, listening to watching TV or listening to the books while you're getting ready in the hotel, while you're running, training for a half marathon. I can't tell that there is a time in your life you're not listening to an audiobook, and that's what's inspiring me. I'm, I do listen a lot to audiobooks, and maybe it's uh, to my own detriment. Like you learn, like I'm 40, and I'm like maybe some quiet uh, time of thinking. Like I don't need to have an audiobook on for my eight minute shower, for my while I do the dishes, while I do my laundry, <laughs> while I walk the dog, which is all the time. Like I, I'm an ex New yes. Yorker, so you have that like headphones habit. You guys are New Yorkers, yeah. you know, where you're like, oh, I grocery shop while listening to something, I commute while listening to something, I walk around my neighborhood while listening. So I like brought that to L.A. because then you have it in your car, you have it while you train. You, I, I listen to audiobooks at the gym where it feels like I'm raising both my strength, constitution, and intelligence all at once by fucking lifting weights and listening to fucking books. Yeah, but I, yeah. I, I will say it, it has been a, a life hack for me. Like I just said, I have a hard time getting around to reading. So these audiobooks have been like a sort of a way in, especially doing audiobooks for fantasy series I read already where you know all the names and stuff so it doesn't feel... Sometimes a fantasy novel, you're like, wait, which one, which guy is Belwar Disengulp again? And you're like, oh, right. The fucking Furf Nebly Gnome. Do you have multiple sets of Bluetooth headphones? Do you have like a rotation of Bluetooth headphones so that like, I feel like my Bluetooth headphones, I'm only getting two or three hours of the, out of them before I have to charge them. Do you have, are you swapping them in and out? I get so a few hours out of my AirPods. Okay. I will also, like, while I do dishes, not be on headphones. Like, if my wife's not home, it's not always on headphones either. You know, if I'm home alone, I'll play it through a Bluetooth speaker or just play it through my phone while I, like, do errands and stuff yeah, like 100%, that. Yeah, 100%. I'll do that while I'm doing dishes. Just play it out of my phone speaker like a animal. I'd like to get a hat that has a phone-shaped yeah. pocket on the side so I could put the phone in it and the speaker's next to my ear. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, I think that's what everyone's looking for. It's like all the research about maybe it's not great to have a phone near your brain. Like some people are looking to push that and see like, <laughs> like <laughs> why don't I just do it the worst way possible? I mean, yeah, I've, in I've eight been years, whole... we're going to learn that Bluetooth is causing cancer. The hat <laughs> yeah, yeah, with yeah. the phone sleeve, that is the perfect clothing item that has a stocking stuffer life cycle that arrives in the mail on the 24th. You give it to someone on the 25th, the hat with the phone sleeve already out the door to Goodwill on the 26th. And I, arguably, you could put the stocking in that pocket, and then you've <laughs> stuffed your stocking stuffer with a stocking. Yeah. <laughs> that, were, that'll make the world implode. You were stocking <laughs> stuffer stalker. <laughs> um, dudes, I got to get off here and start listening to some audiobooks because I'm behind <laughs> big time on my schedule. Uh, <laughs> but why don't you tell the shitheads, the listeners of High and Mighty, where they can uh, find you guys, the Gregory Brothers, and what oh, you're doing over at what Punch a Up the pleasure. Jam outside of that. Well, well, listen up, shitheads. I'm Evan Gregory. I'm Andrew Gregory. And we are currently the hosts of another HeadGum show called Punch Up the Jam, in which we, and often a guest, famously, John Gabris, uh, talk about one single song for a whole episode one we'll pick some really famous song that you know very well because you exist in the same world that we exist in i'm talking about what have we done recently boulevard of broken dreams uh i want it that way by the backstreet boys we did i'll make love to you by boys to men this summer yeah, we did imagine by john Liz. we did some bruno mars and specifically with john we did brandy 
You're a fine, what a fine girl, what a good wife. And it just happened to turn out that by the end of the episode, as we always do, we produce a punched up version of this song. You know, we've dissected it so much, we figure out what are the crucial flaws of the song. We make a better version. It happened that on that episode, we created a brand new version of Brandy that set her as the protagonist in a fantasy world. Really improved her story. A very hero's journey version where she was escaping her town as Trollocs were invading. Yeah, in the original, she's like an NPC in in the story of her town, just a bar wench where, and the sailor went off and was like, you know, sleeping around or or whatever. Anyway, we vastly improved the song Brandy. Turn the and- necklace into an amulet. It all it got <laughs> it gets better faster when you once you, once you're saying the phrase once you say the word amulet in a song. I'm on fucking board. Maybe one of the few songs that feature the Hell word yeah, amulet. Hi- <laughs> highly underused word in the realm of songwriting. Uh, so yeah, come over. Join. You can follow us at Punch Up the Jam, but mostly, who cares if you follow us? Just come over and listen to the show. Fuck yes. As for me, I and you, your social media and shit will be tagged uh, in these posts. As for me, I got a podcast called Action Boys where I'm talking about action movies. And I got 101 Places to Party Before You Die, a travel show I host now on HBO Max. Check it out there. Bye, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast. In a part of the world where there are no rules. Holy shit. Holy shit, guys. I'm so pumped. I definitely have not watched this since I rented it on VHS in 92. Strangers united by the threat of death. We got all the fucking major players. Seagal. Vladimir Putin is a good man. Arnold. Here, come. Give it to me. I need you to cream pie me now. Stallone. People are loving this movie. (laughs) It's got a lot of heart. You're mentally irregular. (laughs) Now, somewhere... Somehow, someone's gonna pay. I would fucking love for my wife to like see me rip a guy's throat out. But they didn't count on one thing. This movie's fucking insane. (laughs) It's how you know it's a good movie. You have to do almost all the work yourself to figure it out. There's a fantasy component. There's some sword fighting. There's some lightning. Bam, 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 bam. There's a new game in town. You wake up after a few years, and then you don't even know who you are anymore. We're going to be making Terminators. <laughs> We're going to make a really great deal with the Xenomorphs. What? I don't hate them, but I've been in a room. Yes, I understand. This is now the 20th ending of the movie. I am dark. I'm your dad. Action, boys. Boys will be boys. Subscribe here for bonus content and more free stuff from behind the paywall. To get new episodes, become a patron at actionboys.biz. Do it. Do it. Come on. Do it now.